Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Home is where everybody always knows your name. Home is a place where you can always expect to be confronted, forgiven, and put under obligation. Home is where there's always a place for you at the table. And home is where you can always count on what is on the table being shared. Good morning and happy Mother's Day and happy Festival of the Christian Home Day. Lots going on. What were your traditions around Mother's Day when you were growing up? I was having a conversation with a couple of my friends about this a few weeks ago. And our traditions, while similar, were still just a little bit different. Where I grew up in Southern Illinois, by the 1st of May, all the flowers were blooming and the trees were fully leafed out. We had mowed our yards many times already, and we had had tomatoes and other veggies out of the garden. And of course, strawberries and other fruits were long gone. So on Mother's Day, the custom was to raid the rose garden. You wore a red rose if your mother was living, and a white rose if she wasn't. In my friend's church here in Northern Illinois, they were given carnations to wear when they got to church. Not many flowers in bloom yet, as we well know, but the same held true, red if your mother was living and white if she was not. My mother died in 1970, over 50 years ago. I can still recall the days surrounding her death and her funeral, all that stuff as if it were yesterday. I was only 30 years old, and she was only 60, way too young. I know that some of my friends lost their mothers when they were 60 or 70, and their moms were maybe 100 or almost 100 years old but still way too young. Once they're gone, they're gone. I can remember the excruciating pain. And I asked a friend who had also lost his mom a few years before, does this pain ever go away? Well, yeah, in a way, he said, the awfulness goes away. But no, the pain doesn't go away. You just get used to it. And I found that he was right. I still miss my mom so much. And I bet you do too, if you were the one wearing a white rose this morning. I found this scripture in Proverbs 
that describes a really hardworking wife and mother. This particular mother, if she really did do all these things, is truly a superwoman. But frankly, I have an idea. If compared to the mothers of today that I know, she might pale in comparison. But the last couple of lines still apply. Give her credit for all she does. She deserves the respect of everyone. From Proverbs 31. She gets up before daylight to prepare food for her family and to tell her servant girls what to do. She looks at land and buys it, and with money she has earned, she plants a vineyard. She's a hard worker, strong and industrious. She knows the value of everything she makes, and she works late into the night. She spins her own thread and weaves her own cloth. She is generous to the poor and the needy. She doesn't worry when it snows because her family has warm clothing. She makes bedspreads and wears clothes of fine purple linen. Her husband is well known, one of the leading citizens. She makes clothes and sells them to merchants. She's strong and respected and not afraid of the future. She speaks with a gentle wisdom. She's always busy and looks after her family's needs. Her children show their appreciation and her husband praises her. He says, many wives, many women are good wives, but you're the best of them all. Charm is decept deceptive and beauty disappears. But a woman who honors the Lord should be praised. Give her credit for all she does. She deserves the respect of everyone. May God's blessing be added to the reading, the hearing, and the keeping of his holy word. In addition to our own mother, many of us <clears throat> have been blessed with having women who have been so close to us as to be our second mothers. Maybe a neighbor or a woman from church or an aunt that we love so much. Could have been a friend's mother or perhaps even your mother-in-law. Maybe even more than one that we were close to. Someone who took the time to talk to us, to listen to us and give us good advice. Maybe to help us with our homework. I read in a book a couple of weeks ago that grief over the loss of a loved one is kind of like a bear when hibernating. It comes out of the cave occasionally, stays a bit, then goes back to sleep, only to emerge again when you're least expecting it. And I was thinking about the relationship between Jesus and his mother Mary. At his earthly death, I believe he was 33 years old. We certainly don't want to think about our children dying that young. And think about it, Mary's mother died, Mary's, Mary's son died a horrible death. He was crucified in front of a crowd of people, some jeering, 
some crying and lamenting his death and the way he was being treated. Others were celebrating. Can you, as a mother or a father, hardly endure this scenario? How painful and jarring it must have been to Mary. I share with you this little passage from John 19. His mother and his mother's sister and Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary from Magdala, stood near the cross of Jesus. Jesus saw his mother, and he saw the disciple whom he loved standing by. And he said to his mother, Woman, see your son. And then he said to the disciple, See your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Mary, Jesus' mother, her presence among the four women was the most important, the most natural thing in the world. This eternal love of a mother was at this cross when her son was strung up. Jesus' mother's sister was Salome, the mother of James and John. And John was Jesus' cousin, the beloved who Jesus thought most worthy to take care of his mother after his death. At this point, Jesus knew that he was leaving the earth soon and wanted someone he trusted to look after his mother. In effect, what he said was, John, please look after my mother as if she were your own. And to his mother, he said, Mother, here is the man who will from now on treat you like his own mother. The last sentence makes it very clear that John understood the intention of Jesus' words and reacted to them by taking Mary into his own home. Jesus was aware that his own brothers at this point did not believe in him. Not yet. And he knew that John, his cousin, his beloved disciple, did. Even while on the cross, his thoughts were of his mother and the unbearable loneliness and pain that she would endure after he was gone. As her eldest son, her firstborn, he was keenly aware of the duties that were his even after his earthly life was over. Even on the cross, Jesus was concerned about the welfare of others. He wanted to make sure that his mother would be well taken care of after his earthly life was over. And he entrusted his mother to his good friend and cousin. John. As children, as grown children, the tides turn. 
at a point, we sometimes become the caretakers of our parents, as our parents once were our caretakers. The circle of life it never ends. Some historical facts surrounding Mother's Day. The celebration can be traced back to ancient Greece and Rome, where festivals were held in honor of their mother goddesses. Much later in the 16th century, Mothering Sunday was recognized during the fourth Sunday of Lent for, for parishes of the Church of England and the Roman Catholic Church. This holiday was less about mothers and more about attending your mother church, meaning the local Christian church. But the origins of Mother's Day, as we know it, came from West Virginia. During the American Civil War, I hope this doesn't become boring for you, I thought this was interesting. <laughs> Anne Reeves Jarvis, known as Mother Jarvis, in her local parish, helped start Mother's Day work clubs to raise awareness of the poor health conditions in her community. These clubs proved to be an excellent unifying force for a region that was very socially divided during the Civil War. So after the war ended, she organized Mother's Friendship Day to promote reconciliation between the Union and the Confederacy. The United States in the late 19th century saw a lot of different movements to organize a Mother's Day, including from Julia Ward Howe, an abolitionist and a suffragist, who wrote a Mother's Day proclamation calling for mothers to unite and promote world peace. I read that the day that we now recognize as Mother's Day actually come from Ann Jarvis's daughter, Anna. She saw how hard her mother had worked to give mothers the recognition that they deserved. She made it her life mission to get Mother's Day onto the national calendar. And in 1908, she sparked the first widely recognized celebration of the holiday while she held a public memorial for her mother in Grafton, West Virginia. It's kind of interesting, though. Anna fought so hard to get it started, and then she fought equally hard to stop it. And here's what happened. Her, some, sometimes your efforts are too, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Anna's campaign continued to gain popularity over the years as she teamed up with floral companies and department stores to spread the word. <laughs> so by 1912, Mother's Day had spread to Puerto Rico, Mexico, Canada, and 45 U.S. states, many of which adopted Mother's Day as an annual holiday. Finally, in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed Mother's Day a national holiday 
to be celebrated every year on the second Sunday of May. So you can either thank Woodrow Wilson or blame him, whichever. Well, the end of World War I was when Mother's Day started to gain popularity. And it took some time for it to become a widely recognized holiday as it is today. Since it was largely seen as an American holiday, other countries were slow to, adapt, to adopt the tradition. However, her vision of a peaceful, peaceful and personal day for honoring and visiting with mothers quickly became commercialized by florists, retailers, and card companies. A hallmark holiday? Although she had initially worked with these industries to promote the holiday, she felt it had spiraled into something unrecognizable. It seemed that spending time with one's mother, expressing, expressing appreciation, and even helping her with her duties, was now overshadowed by gift buying. Soon, she was lobbying the government to have the holiday removed from the calendar, <laughs> and she also denounced the holiday and campaigned against companies who profited from it. If she had been successful, we probably wouldn't be celebrating Mother's Day today. Fortunately, today, we can preserve her intended celebrations and show her mom with well-deserved gifts as well. And so what's a good way to do this? Maybe by choosing a gift that reminds her of how much you appreciate all she's done for you. Flowers and candy are loving, lovely. But a night off from cooking dinner and doing the dishes might be a welcome gift too, right? And then I was thinking about grandmothers. I am one myself as well as a great-grandmother now. I can remember as a small child seeing my dad's grandmother, my great-grandmother. And frankly, I was terrified of her. <laughs> I'm not sure why, I just was. My dad's mother, I was never close to. I probably saw her maybe a half dozen times. I just remember this very heavy woman, gray hair, back in a bun, wire-rimmed glasses, rocking away in a chair, and never a smile. She was always listening to the radio, and it had to be a religious program. Needless to say, I was kind of fearful of her, too, and I stayed away from her as much as I could. <laughs> My mom's mother, on the other hand, her name was Mary Anna, and they called her Molly. Her hair was a silvery white, and she wore her hair in a bun, too. 
We would visit pretty frequently. We lived in southern Illinois, and she lived in southeast Missouri. In addition, every summer, I got to go and spend a week with her. The mattresses on the bed were filled with feathers. They were feather beds. And the soil in that area wasn't dirt, but sand, which was always a phenomenon to me. And a treat to me was when she would give me a quarter or some such thing to go down to the country store to buy a sodi. You know what that is? It's pop. But back then, it was a sodi. And on Saturday, one of my uncles would come by in his car to take us to town. And sure as shooting, she would haul out her big pocketbook that held her false teeth. <laughs> she only wore them when she went to town. And <laughs> in the car, <laughs> in the car, she would take her coffee can or a, some kind of a can to spit in. She dipped snuff, as they say. Maybe not all of you know what snuff is, but you know, it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> And when we got to town, she would make her way to the funeral home with me in tow to make a few dollars payment on her funeral. And indeed, when she died, when I was then in my mid-30s, after my mother died, all those expenses had been prepaid. She was a very independent woman. So if you wonder where I get it from, there you are. I'll do it myself, thank you. I've been very fortunate to know and to love and to like my grandchildren. I'm very close to them and to my little great-granddaughter. I wonder what kind of stories they're going to tell about me. <laughs> or maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> So how do we celebrate and honor all these special women in our lives? Women that we've known and loved. There's so many ways to do so. I hope that my meanderings this morning have triggered fond memories of those special women in your life. I do know that most of us, most of us, most of all, we thank our God for such blessings, for such love, for such wondrous love. Amen. <laughs>